we're going to set the world on fire, then by default, then you as believers have to be the match that will ignite the world. Now, you ever try to light a fire with a wet match? Can't do it. It's got no, it's got no power. It's got no juice. It's got no oomph. So we're going to try to dry us out so we can strike that fire. So last Sunday, we finished up, um, and we didn't get really a chance to read all of Ephesians chapter 3. And that's where we're going to start today. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. And uh, actually, I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read this in the, uh, in the Message Bible, all the way down to verse 20. So I'm going to read pretty, pretty fast. It says, this is my life's work, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all of the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that I had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. I understand where you're coming from. The inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out into the open and make plain what God, who created all of this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in him, we are free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Be proud. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath, test its lengths, plummets depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Living a life full in the fullness of God. Now that's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of words to read, to hear, and to digest. There's several things here, and we're going to talk, we're going to spend some time in Ephesians, because as a church, Ephesians has to become real for us if we want to grow. Now, I'm going to try not to get ahead of myself, because I believe I might have some extra time. Not today, so don't get worried. I know you guys got a game to coach later on, so we're not going to, we're not, I'm not going to blow you out right there. But a couple things in here that I want you to look at. It says, if we trust them, if we trust them completely, then we're free to say whatever needs to be said. Bold to go wherever we need to go. Said, if we trust him. Now, as a believer, God wants you to trust him completely so you can be free of every other extraneous thing so he can use you. So let's just follow the logic here. 
if we believe God the way we say we do, and he blesses us the way he says he can, then there's no limitations or nothing to hold you back from actually accomplishing his will in your life in this world. It's just basic. This is basic Christianity 101. This is, there's nothing deep here. I'm not giving you 12 steps, seven steps, any keys or any of that. Today, it's about trusting God so that the church can affect the world. Now, we talked about you two weeks ago. We talked about the church last week. And we need to talk about the church in conjunction with the world today. Because you're the church. We talked about it last week about spiritual buildings. You are the church. I mean, back in the day, they didn't have tabernacles to walk into all the time. When the folks gathered, that was the church gathering. When they took over a room or rented a space, that was the church gathering, much like right now. So if they did it then, why can't we do it now? And what he is asking for is a church now that won't hold anything back. See, now you have been, well, I don't know about you, I'll talk about me. I have been in churches where you can feel the Holy Spirit being shoved into a corner. Right? And it's, it's disheartening. It's upsetting because you feel the spirit wanting to kick out and get loose, but the people won't allow it to happen. Now, last week we talked about what would happen if every single person actually walked in God's glory. You only do that by having the Holy Spirit living, dwelling in you, opening that door like we just said here in Ephesians and allowing him to come in and fill you to the full. Said, but so many times we have folks that are just filled not even a quarter of the way. Folks that come into service on Sunday and says, you know what, it's good, like the song, but that's all you get. Yeah. That's not going to build a church. No. That builds vanity. Mm-hmm. That's what that will do. But what he's looking for is a place where he can blow it out. Yeah. Now, we're not going to talk about the first church in Acts, but we all know what happened. All the people, singleness of heart and mind. Sister Pat, what happened? They were on one accord. 3,000 people joining the church daily, daily, because they all had the same goal, same heart, same mindset, same God. Mm -hmm. But they chose to actually let him be God in their lives, in their relationships, and more importantly, in that church. So God, you know what? Explain it to me. Like, I I need to know. I need to know why it's not happening as fast as I want it to. Explain me why why it's it's just not really going the way. Said because right now we only will allow him in certain areas of our lives, and we only allow him in certain avenues in our church. And guess what? This is his house. If I walked into your house, your house that you own and you paid for, but then told you that you couldn't do a thing in your own house. Me, as a guest in your house, telling you what to do. What would happen? Put you out. You put me out. Put me out. Close up shop. Said, and that experience happens Sunday after Sunday. When people come in and treat God like a puppet. Say, no, this is what you can't do here. And this is what you can't do there. Instead, we're going to do our agenda. 
and it happens Sundays after Sundays after Sundays. And God is looking for that one church that will actually allow him to be God. So now he can't do that if the people are unwilling. So because if the folks won't allow him to be God in their lives, and they're sure as heck aren't going to allow him to be God in their church, and they're sure as heck not going to let him into their relationships and to every area of their life, and what happens is you have churches that die. The world right now is a mirror image. It is a reflection of the lack of the church's ability to do God's will in this earth. Now I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But think about that for a little bit. Just think about that. If the church actually was the church, the rock that he wanted to build his tabernacle, his kingdom upon, then it wouldn't be difficult. It wouldn't be difficult. Church would be bursting wide open. Wide open. So, but Lord, you know what? We're not going to stand by and let that happen any longer. We are not going to stand by and let that happen any longer. So here, let's look at verse 4 through verse 6 when it talks about responding to the message. Well, what, what message are we talking about here? As you read over what I have written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mysteries of Christ. None of your ancestors understood this. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through his holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. Now, the reason why verse 6 Verse 4 through verse 6 are important is because it's telling you exactly how you as a believer and a church should function. To spread the good news to every single person and show people that God loves them and that you are no better than the guy down the street. So now the reason why I say that, and we'll get to this a little bit, is that you have folks in the building that are filled with the rich young ruler mentality where I've reached a certain level, I've attained a certain status, and that ultimately makes me better than you. And because I worship here at this place, and you're an unchurched person, I'm better than you too. And this is the mindset of the church. And that's the reason why churches don't grow. Because instead of saying, hey, you know what? Like it says in Ephesians, you're not better than me. I'm not better than you. I just happen to hear this message first. And now what I want to do is tell you how great it is on this side of the fence. Let me show you what God can do. Now, because we have a mindset of I'm entitled, I'm better than you, and I'm not willing to speak to you about the goodness of God, you have souls that die by the millions day after day that drive by this spiritual hospital and the people are saying, don't come in. Would you go to a hospital where the surgeons actively, actively told you, I don't want to help you? What kind of doctor would that be? Now, the doctor knows, says, man, you know what? You're in pretty bad shape. And you have a broken leg here, and you have high blood pressure this, and you have this, and you have that. And I have all of the skill to help you and to fix you. But I don't like you because I feel more important than you. 
so I'm not going to let you in. And that happens in churches all the time. All the time. And you know what? I can admit that I'm that guy. Because like we read here, so folks that know God, been brought up in church all their lives. That's me. And now I see the world as my enemy, not as an opportunity. And as believers, we love God and hate sin, but we don't hate people. See, and until we start to shift that mindset, it's never going to happen. Never, ever, ever. First Corinthians talks about having all these wonderful gifts, but you don't have love, and you can't show forth love, then you are useless. And there are churches today that have wonderful gifts brewing inside of them, and those churches are useless because they won't do the basic to show God's love to people. I told you a little bit earlier today, I was going to start taking some swings with folks. So but this is what's going to be required for us as a church to impact the world has to be, you know what, I'm willing to open up my heart and let you see me raw, naked, warts and all. To say, you know what, God saved a wretch like me. And every day I thank him for the opportunity that he saved my soul. That doesn't make me better than you. What it does is make me forgiven and giving me an opportunity to show you how you can be forgiven too. Now, if that is not the heart and the mindset of every believer in this building, you are in the wrong business. Because he specifically created you to make sure that God's glory was upon this earth and God gets glory by winning souls. And if you don't understand that he saved you for a specific purpose, it's to help somebody else that you don't know, then guess what? Game over. Game over. I said last week, I said, I was, Lord, I'm unwilling to go stand in the middle of Africa in the hot bush. I'm, I don't, I don't, flies and, and no drinking water and people shooting at me. I don't want to do all that. I really don't. I really don't. But if I ever told him that I am unwilling to do anything that he asked for me, then he's going to be unwilling to work with me, through me, in me. Now, he didn't ask me to do all that. What he did say was, live a life where people can see that my hand is upon you. And open up that very mouth that I gave you that's articulate to tell folks how good I am. So that's your mission. That's your goal. That's your job. That's what you are supposed to be doing. It's to stop seeing sinners as the enemy because you know what? They just haven't caught on to the revelation yet. So then until we get to that point where soul winning is our priority, we're standing on the corner and handing out tracts is something that I want to do. And he's still working on me on that one. I'm telling you, I'm just being honest. But it's got to start someplace. See, because I don't want God to hold anything back from this church. I don't want God to hold anything back from me personally. I don't want God to hold anything back from this place. And if that requires me taking the lead and doing that, then you know what, Lord? I'm your guy. Then I'm your guy. 
because I want you to blow it out in this place. I want to see God's hand moving in your life in a way that people have to stop and stare. God's glory is so intense and amazing that it will stop you in your tracks if you actually were to see it. And it's unmistakable. And you know that it is not counterfeit and there's not a single thing else that can duplicate what God's grace and glory on your life can do. So when you see Moses, when you read about Moses, he had the burning bush experience. He was awestruck. Awestruck. Because at that moment, he knew, I'm in the very presence of God. Yes. Every single believer in here is going to have one of those sort of Damascus Road moments where it's, okay, here is the rubber meeting the road. And now is your opportunity to either do or do not. And he's hoping that you do. Because the moment that you click it into overdrive and say, yes, Lord, I am willing. That's when the floodgates will open in your life. But we keep holding bits and pieces of ourselves back. Like, Lord, you know what? Growing up. I didn't want to be a holy roller. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be. See, and, and, and in fact, um, you know, I talk to Mary about this all the time. said, you know what, I could, I'm almost like a chameleon, because I could be in almost any, any social circle and fit in. Anywhere. Except for the place that I should be. And standing in the middle of church where I should have felt safe, I stuck out like a sore thumb. Because you can see that guy right there is lying. Mm-hmm. He's faking it. So because I didn't want people to know, like, yeah, you know, I told you, oh, I got to go to church. I can't really do that. Oh, all right, no problem. You know, and go to church and just act like, you know, that's ah, all right. All the time knowing that that's where I should have been. Yeah. And I should have been outside of those walls of that church interacting with those people saying, yes, I believe God. And you know what? And it is cool to be saved. And you know what? I don't understand why it's a problem for me to be redeemed from destruction and not tell you about it. But all that time, it took for me to learn that lesson where I was hiding from God, hiding his glory, hiding that mantle that was clearly upon my life, doing everything I could to cover it up. When all he wanted was for you to let it go. Let it shine out. So, so he can actually move in my life. And he's begging, waiting for that opportunity to happen in all of our lives. And as soon as we do that collectively, and I mean collectively. Now, we talked about this before. But I mean, sure enough, actually get it. Where we decide, you know what? All the nonsense stops. And I want this church to grow. And I want everyone else to know that that tiny little church ain't tiny anymore. And that tiny little group of folks, they are blowing it out for God. Because they decided to hold nothing back. And I don't care how long service takes. I don't care about the schedule. Mm -hmm. What I care about is his presence being in this place. And I care about him moving in this house. 
and I care about people's lives being changed, not just when they leave today, but forever. When you decide to open up that door to your heart, like we read here in Ephesians, and really not hold anything back, God will show out in your life to the point where it will be just like that, where where you walk and situations change instantly. Because God's power, not just some of it, but all of his power is actively working inside of you. Now, I don't understand why we wouldn't want to do that. I don't understand why we wouldn't want God to actually be God. It's not just fairy tales and bedtime stories. This is actually true. And he will actually come and live inside your heart and impact your life to a point where you will wonder, how did I ever do this without him? But it's a matter of shifting our mentality. Said, Lord, you know what? I want to do everything that you ask me to do without hesitation. So, because if I do that, then you'll start to see revival, not only in this place, but in the world itself. See, now I know we've been called to be set apart, to live a holy lifestyle, but that doesn't mean to ignore people. The church is a giant net. He called you to be fishers of men. And every single time that we cast that wide net and we won't give him all, in a sense what you're doing is cutting holes in that net. How many people do you think you're going to catch when you throw out a net that's got a giant hole that people can escape from? What happens right now is that we have a world filled with inefficient fishermen fishing with bad tools and not doing what's been required. That's what's happening. Said so you'll be fishers of men? Maybe. Kinda. Maybe. No. He said this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Now it's up to you to act that way. Media, I saw you. I got a couple more verses I want to get to you because I've just been talking. I've just been talking. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Ephesians 4, verse 12 through 18 talks about the church as a whole becoming mature. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified as soon as I can get it. It says, His intentions was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering towards building up Christ's body, the church, that it may develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and then the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of fullness of the Christ and the completeness found in him. So then we may no longer be children tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every change of wind of doctrine, the prey of, the cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men, gamblers engaged in every shifting form of trickery, 
Rather, let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truth, dealing truly, living truly, and folded in love. Let us grow up in every way and in all things into him who is the head, even Christ the Messiah, the anointed one. And it continues to talk about how we need to become adults. The church itself needs to grow up. The church, the body of Christ needs to grow up. It says, stop acting like little children, bickering amongst yourselves, running here and there. So dude, live a life true. Live a true life, a true life based in love and everything else will take care of itself. So until the church understands that and tackles that issue and really brings that to heart, then the body itself won't be whole. Now, we'll, get, we'll talk about this later, but the church down the street is not your enemy. Right. There's enough people to go around. Trust me. There is. And when the body understands that our goal is still the same in terms of bringing souls into this happy family, then we'll start to see this world actually change. Yeah. See, because right now you have Christians being pushed around. You know what? I don't trust him enough to actually say what the Bible says. So I'm not going to take a stand here. See, I'm unwilling to risk it all. When the church is unwilling to risk it all, then we have a problem. Then we have a problem. We talked about the rich young ruler who was so staunch on following Jesus, wanted to be one of his guys. Said, and ultimately what it came down to was like, all right, listen, hey, you know what? Give up all that you have and follow me. So for just, just give it all up. And upon hearing that news, when you read it in Matthew and in Mark, you know what happens? He got sad. Yes, he did. He was sad and was thrown into depression because he could not understand why he had to give up everything to follow him. And at that point, Jesus passed him by. So, but when you look at Simon, well, when you look at Simon Peter, or James John, when the call went out, he said, hey, listen, follow me. Yeah. And at that moment, they said, you know what? We're going to leave this boat here. We're going to leave these nets here. He said, did you see what he just did? We're going to follow. Yeah. And they were willing to risk it all. Yeah. Said, so when the church decides that it's willing to throw off pretension, mm-hmm. when it decides to put the facade away, when the church decides that it doesn't matter what political correctness says, yeah. when the church decides to actually stand on the actual word of God, yes. when they decide to do that, then you'll see God blow it out. When we decide to stop becoming ineffective fishermen, fishing with the wrong bait, in the wrong place, using faulty nets, and, the, and holes in, in boats with holes in them. So then just maybe, then just maybe we'll, we'll catch the revelation and actually see God show out in our lives. So this is what I'm asking for. This is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone whose heart is not just in what they can get from me, but in what I can get to them and what I can do for the kingdom. Pastor Talk preached a message, God, probably 15, 20 years ago, about being kingdom-minded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just about all the things that the king can give to you, right. 
but actually having the kingdom's interest in mind as everything. Said, you know what? I want your kingdom on earth. I want it to come down here. So, Lord, I'm not willing to do anything that's going to sever that connection. I am unwilling to do anything that's going to keep me out of your good graces. I am unwilling to do anything that's going to hold me back from receiving from you. Lord, I'm unwilling to do it. Said, if I can just do this, if I can just do, if I can just do this, then I know that you'll bless me. We're going to go to Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to finish up with this. Luke chapter 5. Verse 1, I'm going to read this in the NIV. Jesus calls his first disciples. So one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got on one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked them to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. We hear this passage, we read this chapter, and we always equate it to getting financial blessings. But this right here is a parable for the church. Said, Lord, we've been out here working. <laughs> I'm in that prayer and Bible band. I've been at YPWW. Hey, I'm at Wednesday night. I'm on the call on Monday mornings. I'm at every single event. Said, we're out here and we're doing it. Said, Lord, the people just aren't here. Why not? They're not here. Said, and clearly, if it was about Simon Peter's ability to fish on his own, he would have caught something because clearly there was nothing. Nothing in the sea. He'd been out there all night. So but just trust me and push out. Go past what you've been doing. Go past your standard mode of operation. Go past that point. Go past that point of your understanding. Go beyond. Listen to what I'm telling you. And throw out those nets again. This is the only case in which a breaking net is a good thing. Because here it was breaking because of the harvest of fish that they had caught. And when you equate this to the church, said if we decide to actually leave everything for him, my status, my title, my clothes, my money, what I, my socioeconomic status, my family, if I said if I decide to leave all of that on the table and just serve him the way that we should, if the church decides to do that, said our nets will start to break. Yeah. And we'll reach out. 
It's talking about fellowship here. He said, reach out. He said, we'll reach out and we'll bring more in. But it's got to start someplace. And it's got to start, it's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Are you willing to risk everything for him today? Thank you for listening to today's message. Visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events. 